walking with the Lord, we encourage you to wait, to observe the sacrament. Let us read from the book of Exodus, chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to read the verses 1 to 4. Exodus chapter 2, the verses 1 to 4. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could, no, when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And the sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Amen. We know that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you. We pray for your help as we examine, consider your word. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Today, our little tour through the biographies of of Scripture, and it's been some time since we left off this subject. We finished with all of the biographies of the book of Genesis that I felt we needed to look at. But today, this little tour brings us to Jochebed. She is simply called a woman here in Exodus chapter 2. But we have her name, and we have her name in Exodus chapter 6 and the verse 20. And Amram took him, Jochebed, his father's sister, to wife, and she bare him Aaron and Moses, and the years of the life of Amram were a hundred and thirty and seven years. So her name was Jochebed. Her name actually is only mentioned twice in the Scriptures. But she was a very remarkable and a very great woman. There are occasions when questions arise regarding the role of women within the Church of Christ. It is understandable that such questions should arise in this day and generation, and we should never dismiss the questions lightly. In society generally, the traditional roles which separated the genders do not exist to the same extent. A higher percentage of mothers are working outside the home, helping their husbands support the family. And we are all aware of the financial pressures that household budgets are under in this generation in which we live. Furthermore, an increasing number of women take up leadership roles in business and in state, and many do an excellent job, it must be said. And against this background, several Protestant denominations have moved away from a male-based leadership team, bringing ladies into positions of authority and into the pastorate itself. And for a denomination such as ours, where the leadership is male, inevitably the questions arise, why is this? Now, it's not my intention to deal with the the New Testament teaching and the roles of men and women within the church today. 
But I want to use the role of Jochebed and the life of Jochebed to teach some valuable lessons about the value of women within the family of God. I do not believe it is appropriate for ladies nor for the church that they should hold office in terms of having a role of authority within the church of Christ. But that doesn't mean that there is not a ministry for ladies and a place for ladies. There's a very big place for our sisters within the church of Christ. It's always important we should recognize that, that there is a ministry for them to fulfill. And in some respects, perhaps we haven't fully grasped the full extent of the ministry that our sisters should have within the work of God. And so we must be very careful how we look at all of this, how we examine it, how we see it. John Knox was a very great man who laid down a remarkable heritage, a heritage that we continue to benefit from today as Presbyterians. He made a colossal miscalculation, however. He wrote a book called The First Blast of the Trumpet Against the Monstrous Regiment of Woman. Quite a title. The title really says everything about the content. Apparently, John Calvin, who was Knox's mentor and friend, encouraged him not to publish the book, but the stubborn Scot, and he was a stubborn Scot, put his views out into the public domain. It wasn't merely an argument against women having leadership within the church. That really would not have been an issue in the 16th century. It was an argument against women having any kind of leadership within society, particularly in state. It was an argument against a lady being able to be the head of state, to be a queen. Of course, he had been colored because he had saw the catastrophe of the, the reign of Mary I, Bloody Mary as she is known, and many of his friends were burnt to death in England as a result of her terrible leadership. But of course, that didn't mean that all queens were bad. And his book, by virtue of the fact that he was such a public and well-known figure, his book adversely affected relations between England and Scotland during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, the great Protestant queen. And there is no doubt that Knox, for all his good points, he went much too far where that book is concerned. There's no place for what I call spiritual chauvinism within the church of Christ. And we should always be careful about our language whenever we speak upon any issue because words can hurt and hurt greatly. But coming back to Jochebed and her remarkable significance, she was an Israelite. Now, Israel was a patriarchal society, and the Jews continued to be patriarchal in their religion and custom. Amongst the Jews, the male still has leadership where faith is concerned. Recently, when on holiday in Italy, Anna and myself, we visited two synagogues in Venice. And it was the first time I was ever inside a synagogue. I always wanted to see inside a synagogue. And one of the things that strike you is the men and women do not sit together. The men sit in front of the, the pulpit, what we would call the pulpit, where the Scripture is read. 
the women in those two synagogues, they sat high up in the gallery. And there was a gallery all the way around. That's where the women sat, and they looked down upon the men as the men worshipped. And actually, that's a throwback to the ancient temple, because in the ancient temple, there was a court for women that the men could go to, but the women couldn't step beyond, but the, the women couldn't go into the court where the men were. But that doesn't mean that the Jews necessarily denigrate or debase the role of women. They just see a, a difference between the male and the female within their faith. And where Jochebed is concerned, it was a patriarchal society. But yet, she is recognized and she is uplifted as being a great woman who did such a remarkable thing for Israel and for the future of God's people. And she is still recognized for the value of her faith and for her ministry. Her name, it means God thy glory. Incredible name. God thy glory. Jochebed. How did she get her name? There are some who say that that wasn't really her name. That was the name that Moses gave her. Whenever he looked back upon his dear mother and what she did for him, she said, he said, God, thy glory. And that's how he recorded her name. Others say perhaps her husband gave her the name because of the role of leadership she took within the family that he recognized, that he appreciated. Some say, no, it was her parents. Out of a sense of discernment, they recognized the, the role that this woman would fulfill when she was but a little girl, and so they said, God, thy glory. But was there any woman in history without a more significant name than Jochebed? So let us simply take this woman. Let's think of this name, God thy glory. Let's think about how the glory of God was fulfilled in her life. We first of all see the glory of God in her marriage. There's something quite peculiar about her marriage. I, I don't know if you noticed it from Exodus chapter 6 in the verse 20. And Amram took him Jochebed, his father's sister, to wife. Now, that looks very much as if Amram married his aunt, and Jochebed married her nephew. That's what it looks like. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Of course, the traditional rules that came into place to prevent this kind of thing happening had, had not yet been bedded in, and so there was nothing completely unnatural about it. But it, it may be that she wasn't actually Amram's father's sister at all, because the word sister would sometimes be used for another kind of relative, like a niece or, or, or an aunt or, 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 or something, or, 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 or a cousin. So it doesn't necessarily have to follow that, that, that she was an aunt, but the two were certainly related together, and they were within the tribe of, of Levi. But there, there's one point I think we need to make about this marriage. Amram was a man who feared God. She was an, he, he was a man who feared God. Because whenever she decided, we've got to save this little boy 
that God has given us. And we've got to do all that we can to save this precious life. And we've got to even lay our own lives on the line. He followed the leadership of his wife. And so it is clear that he was a godly man as she was a godly woman. And the one lesson I take out of that is this. It's important for young people that are Christians to marry in the Lord. Never seek a relationship with someone that's not saved. If you are a Christian, your first priority in terms of marriage should be to seek out a Christian. The Bible teaches that. It teaches the, the danger of the unequal yoke. It teaches that two cannot walk together except they be agreed. Whenever one makes a wrong decision in marriage, once you cross the threshold and say those vows before God, before witnesses, that's it. You're married. And you can't go back on that. And so it is so, so important, and I say this to young people, that you get this decision right and pray hard about it and seek out a partner who is a Christian, if you are a Christian. It's a very important thing so to do because it is so damaging, completely destructive to one's spirituality, not to marry in the Lord. And this couple became a great partnership together, doing something that was so remarkable because they were at one together in their vision for their nation, but also for their family. And we need marriages that are built upon Christ, houses that are built upon the rock, the future of a nation, and the future of families depend upon that. Let us pray for our marriages and for our homes today. So we see the glory of God in our marriage, but we also see the glory of God in her courage. It was the providence of God that this woman should be called to be a mother. At a most challenging time in the history of Israel, was there ever a more challenging time? Pharaoh was seeking to drive the Jewish people into extinction, the, the cruelty of it, expecting the midwives, first of all, to, to kill all the little boys because this slave nation uh, that were within the borders of Egypt, this nation composed of the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were growing so many that the Egyptians were afraid, and so they were determined to, to cull their numbers as you would cull a certain animal. And so the little boys, it was ordered that they be killed as soon as they be born. But of course, this didn't happen. The midwives refused to obey Pharaoh. And so there was another commandment came. And the commandment was in Exodus chapter 1, and the verse 22, every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. There never was a worse time to give birth to a little boy. Whenever 
Aaron was born, the lives of the little boys weren't put at risk. And then the next one was a daughter, Miriam. And then there was this third child who would be Moses. And I'm sure Jochebed's heart sank when she realized it's a son. What's going to become of him? This cruel society in, in which we live, you can think of her fears, you can think of the daggers up and through her heart and her soul. What a time to be a mother. What a time for a little boy to be born so helpless and so innocent and yet in such terrible danger, danger that he's not even aware of. What are we to do? You can almost feel her pain and her desperation, the wickedness and cruelty of the times the providence of God had brought her into. But yet we would not be talking about Jochebed today if it were not for these cruel times because God put her here for a reason. And her faith would shine in the midst of this darkness. These are wicked days to raise our children. Wicked days. You think of social media and the challenges that that brings. You think of the, the power of media generally. And the messages that are constantly being driven into hearts and minds. You think of the power of the evil one and how he's seeking to, to mold children, to take them away from Christian roots. The power of Satan and how he wants to rob us of our children that they might go the ways of this world. You think of the liberal agenda that's at work, that's there everywhere, it's right in front of us. These are dangerous, dangerous days when Satan is seeking to snatch the hearts and minds of our children. It's dangerous days to be parents, for little children to be born. And yet therein lies our opportunity because God's providence has brought us into these times. Why? In order that we might be courageous as this woman was courageous and she was determined to do something for God and for God's glory, to be a light in the midst of darkness, and so it is for you. So it is for mothers here, not only for mothers, but for fathers, for homes, for families, to be lights in the midst of darkness, and that that light would shine from our families. But it needs courage. We need to be courageous, to be different, to stand alone for Christ. Jochebed was one such woman. But let's also think about the glory of God in her motherhood. She was called to be a mother. You think of her role. She grasped it. My calling is to be a mother. Is there any higher calling for a woman than to be a mother? Is there any greater calling than that? The influence of a mother, the role of the mother within family, within society, cannot be underestimated. The blessing of being a mother. This woman saw it. I know that not every woman is called to be a wife, and not every wife even is called to be a mother. But for those who have this privilege, what a blessing. 
And we all recognize the blessings of mothers or wives who raise our children, who mother our children, or mothers who have raised us. We thank God for every one of them. And as soon as she conceived Moses within her womb, every aspect of her being would be employed. Every aspect of her, of her mind, of her thinking, of her ingenuity, of her skill, of her talents would be bent upon the defense of her little boy. She became a leader for her children. She became a leader of her children because Miriam, of course, would help her to watch that little basket. She would use her skill as she wove that little basket. Whenever she could hide, Moses no longer. She wove this ark of bulrushes, dubbed it with slime and with pitch, put the child therein. It took great skill to do this, to create something that was so watertight and she could place that amongst the bulrushes, place that in the water. And it was not going to leak and the child was going to be safe. And yet what a place to bring him to. It was the place of death. It was the place where he could drown. It was the place where the other little boys were being taken to and cast into the water. A place of death, and yet she put this little child in a place of death. But he was kept safe in this place of death because he was in the ark that she had made with love. And I think of this ark and, and what it represents. I think of this world of death in which we live. We bring our children into a world of death. Our children are sinners. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You think of the evils of this society in which we live. It's a place of death. It's a place of destruction. Without Christ, our children, they're children of destruction, children of wrath, the Bible says, even as others. But then I think of this ark in the place of death, this ark that, that speaks of Christ. You see, Moses never felt the cold waters of the Nile, but the ark did. And the ark encased that little boy and kept him safe. And he was placed into the little ark by the love of a mother. An ark that was woven by the tender hands of a mother. And what does that teach us? We need to put our children into the hands of Christ. Christ who faced death for us. Christ who suffered for us. Christ who went into the place of death for us. Let us weave the gospel basket for our children. With hands of love. What an encouragement that is for you mothers here. Put your children prayerfully into the hands of Christ. Pray that he would keep them safe in a wicked world. Finally, let's think of the glory of God in her family. She had the foresight to see the potential of her family, and, and her family became... Well, was there ever a more remarkable family in the whole history of Israel? You think of Aaron, the first high priest. You think of Miriam. She was a great poet and a, a great musician. You think of Moses, the statesman, the leader, leader of Israel. The greatest man in Old Testament times. Who knew God face to face, we are told. She saw the potential of her family. You will see there in Exodus 2, verse 2, she saw he was a goodly child. What do you think that means? Every parent looks at the little child and says, oh, aren't they lovely? 
We all say that. Is that just what it's saying? I don't think it is. Come with me over to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and the verse 20. Stephen's great sermon just before he was martyred. He said about Moses, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. Know those words, that word fair, it actually means fair to God. She saw the spiritual significance of Moses. By faith, she saw that he would do great things. And everything that Moses became went back to the faith of a loving mother. Everything. Everything. Everything that he did for Israel went back to the faith of a loving mother. That was her role. That was her ministry. What a blessing. We think of the needs that the Church of Christ has today. Whenever I look into history, I see this so clearly. In times of darkness, God raised up preachers and evangelists, reformers, who turned the course of a nation. And they all had mothers. And we need to get a vision for our children and for our young people. The potential that exists in each one of them for good to change the course of this nation. Have we got that vision? It's amazing sometimes whenever you read about great men and what they had to say about motherhood. George Washington said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Napoleon Bonaparte said, the future destiny of a child is always the work of the mother. Thank God for our mothers. Thank God for this woman called Jochebed. What an encouragement she is to us all. Only named twice, but her influence lingers. May the Lord give us all such an influence for God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, write your word and your truth upon every heart. For Christ's sake, 